Jesus is leading. Take a moment to speak it out loud over your life, your family, and our world. Now, let's read together. Holy Father, there is nothing I have that you have not given me. All I have and am belong to you, bought with the blood of Jesus. To spend everything on myself and to give without sacrifice is the way of the world that you cannot abide. But generosity is the way of those who call Christ their Lord, who love him with free hearts and serve him with renewed minds, who withstand the delusion of riches that chokes the word, whose hearts are in your kingdom and not in the system of the world. I am determined to increase in generosity until it can be said that there is no needy person among us. I am determined to be trustworthy with such a little thing as money that you may trust me with true riches. Above all, I am determined to be generous because you, Father, are generous. It is the delight of your daughters and sons to share your traits and to show what you are like to all the world. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. It's my voice is a little lower than Pastor Matthew's. Um, while I'm introducing myself, could you guys turn to Revelation 21, 1 through 4? Um, I'm Greg Motley. Uh, my wife and I, Kim, is sitting back here. Uh, we've lived in town for about six years, and I have the privilege of being an elder at the church. Um, I got a text from Pastor Matthew about 1030 yesterday saying he's very ill, and would I cover for him uh, this morning? So... Uh, every instinct in me wanted to say, no way. <laughs> I've uh, given lots of testimonies about my personal story, but I've never uh, preached a sermon. So this is going to be kind of disjointed, and there's going to be awkward silences. Uh, but don't let um, my flesh and my uh, lack of preparation and this situation interfere with what God wants to say to you through his word. I love the phrase that says, Bible preach, Bible preach. Not Greg, not Matthew, Bible preach uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So uh, let's, let's read his word and, and go through this together. Before we do, I just want to pray for Pastor Matthew for his recovery. And, and uh, so join me in prayer for Pastor. Father, uh, we lift up before you Matthew Hunt. Uh, we love him, Father. Uh, we're so grateful uh, that he's our pastor and we uh, call upon you now to touch him, uh, to give him rest. Um, we pray for his family. I pray you protect them from further illness. Um, and during this Pastor Appreciation Month, I pray you'd prompt many people uh, to just express their appreciation to him in personal words, cards, gifts, whatever, Father, and the rest of the staff here, too, at Faith Church. Father, we love what you're doing through Faith Church and um, we just agree to be a part of what you're doing here with, with all our hearts. Uh, these things we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I, I'm, uh, like I said, I'm not a preacher. I'm a uh, business person. So we're just going to jump into this and just bear with me. So Revelation 21, 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. 
He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. So this, this is the goal, guys. This is, this is where we're headed, uh, building the kingdom of God. Back to, back to the garden, back to Genesis 3 before the fall. And uh, we are in, in the between times now, moving towards this. So um, whose domain is this uh, in between these times? Who rules the earth? What do you think? God, Satan, that's kind of opposite answers there. What's going on here? <laughs> it's a little bit of both, isn't it? Uh, before, uh, before Jesus came and before his death and resurrection and his conquering of death, um, Satan ruled this place. When Jesus was tempted uh, in the wilderness and Satan offered him the kingdoms of the world, did he have the authority to give those to him? Yeah, he did for a time. And now we are in times where there's pockets of the kingdom and pockets of Satan's domain. And the kingdom of God is, is wherever you take the kingship of Jesus with you. It is no other place other than where you are. You are the only place that God has agreed to work through uh, his people. Formerly, in the, in the Old Testament, there was only one place he agreed to be worshipped, and that was the temple in Israel. Uh, but now, uh, through, the, uh, through his death and atonement for us, he shed the power of the Holy Spirit to us, and we can freely receive the power of the Holy Spirit, and we take him and his kingdom wherever we go. Where we are not, Satan is, and Satan rules and reigns. So we, we think that there is neutral territory, and there is not. There is not neutral territory. So, so um, God began to take the battle back uh, what was lost through the Abrahamic covenant. Through your seed, I will bless all nations, speaking of Jesus to come. And through the Mosaic covenant, um, through the Ten Commandments and the law given to man to teach people, teach us how to live, because we, we didn't know that much about God at that time. Um, that's why these, this series is so important on the Ten Commandments, because it's part of the Mosaic covenant to teach us how to love God and to love others. Um, let's read Deuteronomy 5.16, which is the uh, text for today. Honor your father and your mother, as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live, a long, live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So each commandment of the ten has a principle behind it. And... Uh, the principle is, how do we love God and how do we love each other? Uh, and the first four commands are, how do we love God? And this is the beginning of the last six, which is, how do we love each other? So this, uh, this command is foundational it's, um, it, because it tells us two things. Uh, the first one that we'll talk about is authority. That God has set up authority on earth to guide us from the Genesis 3 fall to the Revel Revelation 21 restoration that we just read about. So let's look at this commandment restated in Ephesians chapter 6. It says in verse 1, Children, obey your parents as in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, 
and that you may lead a long life on earth. So um, talk, talk to me about the word honor. What does that mean to you? Give me some synonyms for honor. Uh, it's not a word that we use too much in our day-to-day -to -day conversations. Value. I'm sorry? Value. Value. Respect. Respect. Honor. Truthful. Reverence. Uh, in the in the Greek, the word really has a meaning. Uh, it can it, it has connotations of weighty, heavy, burdensome. When you hear that word, does it seem like gravitas? Does it seem like just kind of a heavy, thick word to you? That's that's the intent of the uh, of the writer here. And. From the verse in Deuteronomy and from the verse in Ephesians, you can, you can see that honor, honor of your parents brings, brings promises to your life. The promise of blessings, the promise of richness, the promise of longevity. And um, we, we know that these principles are not absolutes. It's not like we're measuring how much honor that you have shown your parents, and we're going to give you exactly that many blessings and that long of life. Sometimes people who have honored everyone in their life with, with uh, great fervor uh, have led short lives. Uh, God has taken them uh, up to, to be with him early in life. Was that a violation of this principle? No, not really. Um, the, the promises of God uh, last beyond our, our mortal existence and accrue to our heavenly existence too. So, But generally speaking, Blessing comes to those who honor authority and respect those uh, who are uh, put, who God put in authority over us. So, um, and then the the, the principle of of, um, uh, of honor um, gets gets more um, more severe, more heavy as we get older. If we dishonor, uh, there are more consequences when we're older. If you catch a two-year-old, um, if you tell a two-year-old they can have a sucker and they go around the corner and they get a sucker out and they get two, and you come around the corner later and there's two wrappers there and uh, they've thrown away the stick on one but they've still got the stick on the other, and you ask the child, did you get two suckers? And they say, no. Okay, well, <laughs> I've caught you red-handed. The evidence is right here. That's not a capital punishment offense. You're, you're teaching two-year-olds how to grow and to live. But if, if I at the bank start lying and cheating uh, at age 65, my clients, there's a lot more severe consequences. There, there, there's going to be disrepute in the community. The bank's not going to do well. And I could perhaps face some jail time if the, if the lies are, are that serious. So as we get older, the critical nature of honor becomes more and more acute in our, in our lives. So. so what is the opposite of honor? What words come to mind? Disrespect? Didn't hear that. Dishonor. <laughs> Keep it simple, Mr. Farmer. <laughs> How about revile, scorn, debase? So have you heard these words recently? Uh, in context of some of the authorities that God's placed over you on the earth, have you heard these? Have you heard these kinds of terms? I guess I'm not. I'm the only one that's not on Facebook. I guess. <laughs> uh, 
these are these are common things that happen in our culture, and they're become, becoming more common. And I think the root of it is, is that we have we have lost the idea of honoring uh, those who are in authority over us. Um, so God set up um, four authorities over us on earth. Can you think of what the four are? What we've talked about parents. Uh, they're in authority over us. We're to honor them. What other authorities have God set up? Church. Yeah. Um, in Ephesians 3, it says, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God has been made known. What are their authorities? Government. That one kind of sticks in our throats as 21st century Americans. It's not been fun lately. Um, but God put, put government in authority over us. Um, Romans, Romans 13, be subject to the governing authorities. The word subject is a heavy word. It's not a word that invites a lot of question, a lot of wiggle room. Be subject. Obey right away without question. Yikes. Um, what, other, yeah, what other authorities did God put over you on this earth? about the workplace? Colossians 3 says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters as you would Christ. If a slave is required to obey as you would Christ, how much more so should an employee who's getting money and getting compensation for their work? The, the, the workplace has real authority on earth, as does these other three. And if we dishonor those authorities and we refuse to cooperate, there are consequences. And we are finding ourselves at odds with God's purposes. So, um, you might be thinking, what if my parents were abusive? Uh, what if my boss is a jerk? What if the government is out of control? <laughs> Should move right along. What if I have a step-parent with whom I do not get along? A step-parent. Are they in authority over you? The scripture says in Romans 12, 18, if possible, so far it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So God doesn't let us off the hook on this command. There's no conditions. There's no qualifiers. We need to honor uh, even those people who have let us down, who have abused us. Um, Jesus um, keeps his hand extended to you no matter what you've done no matter how you failed, no matter the blasphemies of your lifestyle at once upon a time in your life, he, he kept his hand extended towards you. And that's our model too. No matter how much people have hurt us, the idea is to keep our hand extended for when they are ready uh, for the power of the Holy Spirit to change them and to accept them back uh, into relationship uh, with us. Um, my core family, I've got two younger brothers, and I had really good parents. Um, my mother came to Christ when I was uh, four years old, and uh, we went to church, and she taught me spiritual principles. My father was a hardworking, honest man who taught me the principles of hard work and um, productivity. Um, really, really respected him. He died in uh, 2012. Uh, so I, had, I didn't have any kind of abusive or I didn't have any things to overcome. Uh, my two brothers uh, were not quite as honoring of my parents 
as I was. I, I don't know if it's a birth order thing, firstborn, secondborn, thirdborn, but um, they went a different route than I did. They didn't go the route of faith immediately. And so uh, after we all left home, we used to have family reunions, and uh, we all get home, and, my, uh, and I would be the, um, the conservative Republican banker, you know, and my middle brother was the gay hairdresser, liberal progressive Democrat, and my younger brother was sex, drugs, rock and roll. I don't even know where you go to register to vote, you know, so. <laughs> and, and that's, and I, and I, in preparing for this, I look back and I think, gosh, I had brothers that either one parent or the other, or maybe a little bit of both, just said, no, you are not running my life. I'm not doing what you say. And they walked away from God's plan and God's purpose for them in dishonor. Now, they have grown since then, and they've grown in their honor and grown towards the kingdom, and we, we keep praying that, that that process will continue. So, um, my, my first marriage, that pattern in my life continued. I, I was married for 20 years to love of my life, um, had uh, six kids. Uh, she, she passed away uh, after 20 years of marriage. Uh, we brought order, and there was honor uh, in our home, and my kids honored me, and maybe just a little bit too much. Maybe I was trying to elicit that honor out of them and became a little bit too much of a Jesus to them. Um, and then when my uh, wife passed away, um, I remarried. I, I married a widow, Kim, who had uh, lost her husband in a boating accident, and she had two kids. And so um, I had we, we threw that whole lot together, and we had a lot of kids. <laughs> and you know what? It, it, honestly, it did not go well. It went ugly. Um, I, uh, I learned that I had relied a lot on the strong arm of the flesh for my performance, to get things done, uh, for my obedience. I, I had just, I just got everything together, and I was organized, and I was focused. Um, but circumstances were happening to me that were beyond my capabilities. And I failed. I failed horribly, miserably, in front of kids. In front of kids. It was horrible. When I, when I mentioned that, what, what if you had abusive parents? We weren't abusive, but we were failing, and, and failing terribly. Um, and that, that had... That's had long-term consequences for us. If I'd have known this statistic, uh, Kim and I probably would have taken our time a little bit. Uh, the divorce rate for first marriages, 40%. Divorce rate for second marriages is 60%. Divorce rate when both spouses bring in stepkids, 70%. Uh, there's problems. There's, there's issues. There's favoritism. There's distrust. There's jealousy. And uh, we struggled with it all, and we didn't struggle very well, honestly. Um, so uh, I, I, I know the struggle of keeping God's authority in your life and, and purposeful. Um, we, fought, we, we understood that there was more at stake than our comfort in our marriage, and we fought. And we fought. We fought, and we fought for our marriage, and we stayed together. And I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful that we did.
your marriage is worth fighting for, no matter how uncomfortable it is. It's God's covenant. It's God's authority over you. So. Now, um, we're dealing with kids who saw me be less than at my best, doing sinful things, doing hurtful things, and we have kids that are they have a hard time honoring us. I understand that. I understand that. It used to be hurtful for me. I used to feel the loss of relationship, and you can hear eye rolling from a mile away. <laughs> you know when you're you know, not you know not in their good graces. Um, but it's not now. It's not me that I'm worried about. Now I'm worried about their life in the kingdom, the promises that come with honoring your parents, honoring your stepmom, honoring your stepdad. We both struggled with that, you know. Uh, the the stepkids the step not honoring the other side. We both struggled with that. So now my concern is for my kids. Will the promises of God accrue to them until they get over this? Um, and we, we do everything we can to, to build bridges and to, and to uh, reach out to them. But just like Jesus, keeping our hand extended to them in, in ways that are hopefully helpful and therapeutic. Um, the second reason the commandment to honor your parents is foundational for earthly behavior is found in the reason God created marriage and family. Ephesians 5 says, uh, this is the great mystery about marriage, but I speak of Christ in the church. Your marriage and your family is supposed to be an, a, uh, an icon or a symbol of what is to come, the wedding supper of the Lamb. Uh, when Jesus comes back for his bride, the church, you and me, and that's what your marriage is to show, that God, the promises of God are real. They're real. This isn't pretend. Um, this isn't only do it until I'm happy, and then I go. These promises of God are for all time, and they, they, they work. They bear out. My marriage now is fantastic. You know, No one would have ever thought of that. We were fired by five counselors. We were, we were paying people to go to them, and they said, we don't want your money anymore. <laughs> and I'm sure it was, they were feeling like, they, they were going home feeling like failures. <laughs> Sorry to be such a downer. But, uh, so. Your family is meant to be the image of the redemptive God. Of, of drawing in children, no matter what, no matter what. Um, Isaiah forty nine fifteen says, "Can a woman forget the nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you." A mother and a father have a hard time walking away from kids. They have a hard time walking away from kids. But our Father in heaven loves us more. They may fail. He will not fail. If you're having a tough time uh, honoring your parents, keep at it. Uh, the Holy Spirit will not let you down. Keep at it. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. So, um, Now, I'm not saying that... Um, you should take abuse. 
And I'm not saying you should obey to the point where, the, where you have to disobey God's commands. Uh, those are clear times when we say no. You don't have to endure manipulation. Uh, you don't have to endure those kinds of things. You can uh, disagree and protect yourself and set healthy boundaries honorably and with respect to God's purposes in your situation. But, you know, the word familiarity, the root word is family, but familiarity can breed contempt. So, you know, why are my kids struggling with me? They just know too much about me, you know, so. So honor, how do we honor? What's the starting block for honor? Um, it's obedience. We don't obey because we want freedom. But as with everything else in the kingdom, it's upside down. You don't get freedom until you obey in the kingdom. You can fight for your independence. You can fight for your freedom. You can run. You can hide. But what are you doing? You're leaving the kingdom of this world, and you're going to, to the realm of the evil one. If you value freedom above all else, you need to value obedience, which will lead to honor for, for all these uh, authorities that are in your life. So how serious is this to God? How serious is resisting authority and not honoring authority on earth? It brings judgment on ourselves. Um, let's go back to the, the commandment in Deuteronomy 5.16, and what is the punishment for not honoring? What was the punishment? Does anybody know what the punishment was for, for a child that would not honor his parents? Death. Death. That was God's command. Exodus 21.17 says, whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. Is that just, you know, that doesn't happen today. I, I'm not recommending that we start. But, and we, we, we have a tendency to say, well, that was the Old Testament. Guess what? Jesus quoted that same, same verse, that same command in Matthew 15 as it pertained to the Pharisees and their uh, tendency to dishonor their own parents. So here's another verse from Proverbs 30. Again, the principle, the eye that mocks a father, the eye that scorns an aged mother, will be pecked out by the ravens of the valley and will be eating, eaten by vultures. Vultures don't eat live things. They eat dead things. So, And if uh, this death uh, of this young man or this young woman who dishonored their parents seems harsh, but the spiritual death is the worst death. They don't get to march to the Revelation 21, 1 through 4. And a harsh God, it seems like, brings judgment on people who are going the wrong way, not to punish, but to woo them back. That hand of Jesus, please come back. Please come back. That's the wrong way. You're going to get hurt. You're not going to, the promises of God are not going to accrue to you. You need to come back. So when um, you know, we talked about the Abrahamic covenant and the Mosaic covenant and, wh and where are we going, um, the analogy I like to use um, is World War II Europe. Um, before Jesus came, um, Satan had dominion over all the earth. 
when Jesus came and he died and was resurrected and he, he took the keys of death and Hades and he conquered death and this dominion became his dominion uh, and it just was left to us to take it. And when the allies landed on Normandy Beach, those, great, those brave men on, on June 6, 1944, and they were not kicked back into the ocean, and the front was established, the war was over. The war was over. The Germans could not sustain a front with equipment and men on the Russian side and on the French side. When the second, the, the war was over but the fighting still had to ensue. We still had to take, they still had to take Europe back. And they opened a third front in, in Italy. And by the time the Germans were defeated, they had little equipment and they had uh, young men, 13, 14, 15 years old fighting. Um, and Satan will fight us with that fervor. He is a defeated foe. We, we don't have to give him credence. Don't give him credence by dishonoring those in authority over you. Do not give him territory in your life. He's a liar and a thief. He has no power. Join with the side of the allies and let's defeat this enemy and let's push him back to the Revelation 21 time that, that is to come. So. Jesus is not... In this battle, he's not brushing us aside and saying, you guys messed it up. You're pretty weak. Not brushing us aside. He is engaging us. He's calling us to battle. He's equipping us. He's arming us in the churches. That's what we're here for, is to become equipped to enter into a battle. There's a purpose for this. We're not just playing games. This isn't just kind of nice music and kind of mediocre preaching. This is for a purpose. And uh, we need to set our hearts and minds towards joining this purpose uh, and uh, becoming a part of what's really going on in the world. The rest of that stuff is just, just stuff. It, it, it has no substance to it whatsoever. It's going to pass away. Invest your heart and life in the things that are uh, going to last forever. So Jesus came. He took on flesh. Did he live by these principles? Did he honor authority? Yes, he did. Uh, Luke 2, 51 and 52. This is Jesus as a young boy after he um, stayed behind in the temple and was teaching the teachers of the law. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. The son of God. Obedient to his parents? You've got to be kidding me. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. What was the result of his obedience? Favor with God. Favor with God. Honor brings faith. We're called Faith Church for a reason. It's, it's the core of the Christian theology. It's the core of faith. Um, Mark 6, 4 through 6. Jesus said to them, he's, he's in his hometown now, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town. There's that familiarity again. Among his relatives and in his own home. 
and he could not do many miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Um, our, our disobedience, our dishonor, our lack of faith, um, our choosing of bondage, our choosing to walk into the place where the evil one dwells, uh, limits the effectiveness and the power of God in our midst. We have a role to play in this. Um, Jesus is looking for faith. How does, how does faith come into this? What, how's it exhibited? When you fight for a marriage, it's hard. When you try to honor parents that are act pretty dishonorably. When you, when you have a boss at work who is difficult, a difficult personality, God, he's not asking me to do anything against my faith. What do I do here? Is this where you want me? Is this where you want someone to show who Christ is right here? If we run from every place difficult, uh, those people will not ha have a chance to see faith active in our lives. Don't run. Don't run. Fight. Employ faith. Employ obedience. Employ the things that God has given to you, the tools he's given to you, and fight for uh, his, his place in your life. So, I didn't always get that right because I was... Uh, studies and everything came so easy to me. Um, I, uh, my first few jobs, I did, the, I did the jobs that nobody else wanted. I stepped up and did things that everybody's going, oh, don't want to do that. And that got me moved up quickly. And it was, it was, a, it was a thing of honor. I didn't even realize what was going on. I, was, I had employ, uh, managers who were worried about getting things done. And who can I give this to? And I was stepping up. You know, how, how attractive was that? But then when I got into middle management and I thought I was pretty cool, I started looking around going, these guys, these guys stink. These guys are terrible. These guys are jerks. These guys aren't living the kingdom. And I started being a complainer. And I started jumping from place to place. And, well, gosh, this is a mess. I'm getting out of here. This is this. Can't fix this. And, um, and so I just, I just left and started jumping around. And then I got to uh, experience enough that I started several banks and was president of several banks. Guess what? Um, I failed. Um, wasn't wasn't a fun time in life. You know, every time I got to to the place that was my dream to be president, something dramatic would happen in my life. I lost a wife. I lost a son. I had blended family, terrible issues that I just had to quit and de and deal with. Um, and I realized that I wasn't receiving God's promises and God's blessings because I wasn't respecting the authority in my life. Um, now these last six years have just been a dream for me. Um, th that principle is installed here. I think nothing about other than how can I make the president of the bank happy? Not for my own aggrandizement, but I just I understand what it's like to be him, and I want to take pressure off of him. I want to do things that... I see, if, if I were him, I'd want this done, and I do those kinds of things. And in, there, in so doing, I honor, I honor my employer, and I'm honoring God as I do. And God's given me a great platform here to, to share my faith with not only people in this community, but with people uh, at, at headquarters at the bank and everywhere else. So God reserved his best blessing for me the, in these last days because of the honor that I've shown him, I've shown my employer, um, it's just a principle that I wish I hadn't uh, picked up so late in life. Don't wait till you're 65. So. And lastly, 
hospitality and honor go hand in hand. Um, we are not hospitable because we don't honor and respect people. Uh, you know, don't really want them in my house, don't really want to be seen with them. You know, uh, they might eat too much, whatever it is. Uh, we only want kind of the great people, the, the people that we respect, that have high positions in the community, the pastor, you know, wh whoever it is. But honor, honoring our fellow man and hospitality go hand in hand. Think about Zacchaeus climbing the sycamore tree and, and, and Jesus saying, today I've got to go to your house. How did people feel about Jesus being Zacchaeus' house? Not so good. Yeah. What are you doing hanging around with sinners? No one went to Zacchaeus' house. He was a tax collector. But how did Zacchaeus' reputation enhance having Jesus in his house? Two, two thumbs up. Hospitality is a matter of obeying God, not aggrandizing your own situation, raising your own reputation, uh, bringing in all your best friends and all the people that you're comfortable with. It's about doing the will of the Father, and sometimes that's uncomfortable. It comes at a cost. It comes at a cost. If there is no cost in your honor, it's not really honor. I'm only going to honor people to the point where it costs me. No, no, no. Pick up this communion cup. Pick it up. What cost are you willing to pay to see your kingdom come in your life, his kingdom come in your life? What are you willing to pay? The price of this was unbelievable. The price of this was heavy. It was high. The price of honor is not nearly that high. You got to fight for it. One last thing. Kim and I made it because of the supernatural, not because we just in the strong arm of the flesh survived. It was supernatural. You can't do this alone. You can't do this alone. You need this church. You need this body. You need this prayer team that's going to come up here. You need them. You need accountability. You need a connect group that you can talk to. I'm having trouble with my jerk boss. Now, if the person in your connect group works for me, let me know. <laughs> the cost of this is, was high. Uh, let's, let's stand and honor him and, and take communion together. Don't go it alone. Father, Jesus, I think of the high cost of this bread and this blood, and we are honored, and we honor you by taking of it. Take the bread. Father, we thank you for the atonement and forgiveness of sin this blood represents. Take his blood. Father, seal the work of your word today by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or 
text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If, you're, if you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.